we do have a great and mighty God. Go ahead and take your Bibles this evening. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3, 15. I'm going to start tonight. I'm going to do a series of about four messages that I think are very important. You know, many people today, um, when they come to the house of God, a lot of times um, it's like we forget that you know there's some responsibilities that go with it. It's not about just showing up. Well, that's of course very important, and that's mainly what we're going to talk about tonight. But you know, there's something. There's some things that God expects from us when we come to His house, and there's certain behavior that He expects. And in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, I want to read just one verse to you. This is Paul. He's talking to Timothy. And he says, But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. How to behave ourselves in the house of God. What does God expect when we come to His house? What does He expect from us? You know, ask yourself the question, what does God expect from me when I come to the house of God? I mean, it, it, a lot of times, if we're not careful, going to church can really just become a routine that we do. It can become a ritual. It can be very empty. And there's that happens. There's people, they've been going to church for years and years and years. And boy, I commend anybody for that. I... Uh, I appreciate faithfulness. I think it's a great thing. But you know, when you when you come to the house of God, there are some things that God expects from us and some things that are necessary if we're going to kind of have the kind of services that God wants us to have. You know, we were encouraged this morning by the great crowd that we had today, but the truth is God is not that interested in big crowds. God's just interested in making sure, one, that He's invited to the service. And the Bible says where two or three are gathered in My name, there am I in the midst. So it's clear that God is not interested. And when it comes to church, I don't believe God's focus and God's goal is for that church to be one that's full. I believe it's just His desire to have as many people as possible. But even if it's only two or three, He's okay with that, that are there and they're there for the right reasons. And I think that's very, and that's very important. But I want us to go back to the book of Acts, and I want us to look at what I think is a great example of a church service. This is one of, not the very, not the first, but one of the first services that happened after Jesus Christ started the church. Of course, I believe he started it with him and his disciples. And of course, they had their ministry going for about three years. But then after Jesus died on the cross, it has not been long at all. And it was the day of Pentecost. And you all remember that. We're going to go through a little bit of that story. Um, But there were some things that we see. Now, we know that God showed up. That Holy Spirit came. That Comforter came. That Jesus said was going to come. He said, when I go, I'm going to send you a Comforter. And that comfort is the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus Christ was God. We don't have Jesus Christ here with us today, but we do have the Holy Spirit. And that's really 
all we need. And the Holy Spirit definitely showed up on this day of Pentecost. But before He showed up, there were some things that we see with God's people that I think we need to make sure that they happen here. And if we can get, if we can do these things here as a church with just two or three of us, that the Holy Spirit's going to show up. And when the Holy Spirit shows up, there's going to be some things happen. And it just so happens in this case, they had some pretty big crowds. And I said, we're not in it for the crowds. We're in it about being obedient. But you know what? When we're obedient to God, He's just He's not going to be able to help but bless us and and uh, multiply us. And that's what we want to see. But the day of Pentecost, it was a big day to the Jews. It was a day that Jerusalem would have been very crowded with people. I mean, not, and not just Jews, but also many Gentiles. We see in Acts chapter five. Or Acts chapter two verse five it says, and there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. There was people from all around, people from all different uh, countries and different languages are all there at that day of Pentecost. And this group of Christians was no doubt they're planning on preaching the gospel to this great multitude. Uh, I mean, they're thinking, okay, day of Pente- or, you know, Pentecost is getting ready to come. This is a big day in Jerusalem. Boy, if we're going to start doing what Jesus said and to fulfill that great commission of preaching the gospel to the world, well, what a better day than the day of Pentecost because they pretty much had the world coming to them. And so they're going to take advantage of, they were going to take advantage of that. And when, uh, and then the Holy Spirit, He ends up showing up, and a work began that day that we are still seeing the effects of today. It was the day that Jesus sent that Comforter that we read about. That He talked about in John fourteen sixteen and twenty six and fifteen twenty six and John sixteen seven. He mentions that Comforter that was going to come all those times. That that work and that movement that began that day. That work of the Holy Spirit. It was one that was real. And it's one that is still going on today. It hasn't stopped. I mean, we might not be seeing some of the numbers like they saw on that one day, but it, we've seen it. It's spread. There's churches being started today. Uh, still, I mean, just today, Brother Jason Monkowski, he started his he started his church. That I believe is one of the fruits of that day of Pentecost. Those kind of things are still happening. Seven people. God saved there. God's not done doing a work in this world. God's not done saving people. He's not done uh, starting churches, and he's—I mean—he's not done. He's still doing a work, and if he's going to do a work, boy, we need—we need the power of God. We need the Holy Ghost. John chapter fourteen, verse twenty-six. I want to read uh, one verse to you. John fourteen twenty-six. It says, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, that Comforter with a capital C, you'll notice, whom the Father will send in My name, He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Boy, you know, that the Holy Spirit, He's an amazing thing. It was the Holy Spirit, uh, or the Holy Ghost that, uh, that moved that day on Pentecost. It was the Holy Ghost of God that inspired these men when they wrote the Bible. You know, you read those Gospels and you read, it's amazing how every, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all, they tell many of the same stories. A lot of times they'll throw different details in there. But it's amazing 
how all four of those guys were able to write four books about some of the same things and none of it contradicts each other. Now listen, that can't happen. If any four of us in here, any four of you today in the audience, if you were to leave here and all go write down a summary of maybe what I preached about, chances are I mean, it's all going to be different. And chances are there's going to be some things that are going to conflict with each other. But many of these other Gospels were written many years after Jesus Christ had died and after these things had happened. But the Holy Ghost inspired these men. And they wrote something that was not just their own words. They were the very, uh, they were the very words of God. And he, and he did that work. And the Holy Ghost is what that same Holy Ghost is what's doing work in churches today. Where does the Holy Spirit come from? Well, He comes. He was sent by God, but He also comes from inside of us. Verse chapter 14, verse 16 says, And John and I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another Comforter, with the capital C again, that He may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth Him not, neither knoweth Him, but ye know Him, for He dwelleth with you and shall be in you. The Holy Spirit, He's inside of us today. Have you ever maybe been somewhere or maybe visited a church or you hear somebody preach? Or maybe it's not even a church, maybe somebody you work with or a neighbor and they claim to be a Christian and they start to maybe tell you something doctrinally or something about the Bible. And maybe it's something that you've never really studied out and something you've never heard before. And it's like there's just something inside of you saying, you know what, this isn't true. You know, I don't believe you have to be a Bible scholar to... You know, if you really have the Holy Spirit, you need to know when somebody's not telling the truth. That Holy Spirit, He'll kind of tell you that, hey, you know, don't listen to this person. That's not, I mean, you might not have the scripture verses. You might not have all the answers. But, you know, you gotta listen to that Holy Ghost. He speaks inside of us and He, He guides us and He, uh, He corrects us when we do wrong. You start to follow, boy, He's gonna, He's gonna make you uncomfortable. He's gonna make things difficult for you because He dwells inside of all those who are saved. But what is the Comforter? Well, He's just as much God as Jesus Christ and He's just as much God as God Himself. Now having said all this, it's important that we remember when we come to the house of God that we remember we're not here just to meet with our friends, although it is great when you get to make friends with people in the church. I enjoy fellowshipping. I love getting together around God's people. You're not just here to listen to the pastor preach, although I hope you enjoy the messages. I hope you're encouraged by them. You know, we're not just here for good quality family time, even though I believe there's nothing better that a family can do than go together to the house of God. But we come to God's house to meet with God through the work of the Holy Spirit. We want to see God do something. So I hope you like the preaching. I hope you like the singing. I hope you like, you know, getting involved in all that stuff that goes with it. But I hope you're here today more than anything because you are here for God and you're wanting to see God do something. I think a great illustration to kind of explain what our motives should be when we come to the house of God is a good example is when you go to a birthday party at somebody's house. Okay, if you were to go to a birthday party, now, let's say that, uh, you know, Daniel, you had a birthday not too long ago. Let's say it's Daniel's birthday and they're having a birthday party at his house. Okay. And we're all going to go over there to Daniel's house. Who are we there for? 
or there for Daniel. It's his birthday. Now while you're now while we're there, you're you might get to see other people you enjoy being around. You know, I enjoy talking with Brother Menez, and I might I might talk with Samuel for a while, and we might enjoy each other's company and enjoy each other's fellowship. But ultimately, I'm there. I'm there for Samuel. Just recently, my wife's grandma celebrated her 85th birthday, and you know, we went and uh, went out there to Mantino, Illinois. And we all went there for a birthday party, and you know it was we enjoyed it. There was all kinds of family members that we don't get to see too often, and we got to get around them and fellowship with them, and we enjoyed that. But ultimately, we were there for my wife's grandma. It was it was her birthday. That's who that's who we were there for. You know, we made sure we got to talk with her a little bit, and you know, gave her a gift and do all those things. And you know, when it comes to the house of God, we do get to be around other people. There's things that we can enjoy. I enjoy the food at my wife's grandma's birthday. I enjoy all that stuff. But we were ultimately there for the person who's having the birthday party. And when we come to the house of God, there's many benefits. But the main reason that we are here, it's for Him. We don't ever want to forget that. And you know, don't just—you know—I hope you don't just come to church because you want to make me feel good, even though it does make me feel good. I hope that's not the only reason. Because here's the thing—you know—you're going to find out real quick if you haven't already. I'm not very close to perfect. In fact, I'm quite quite a ways from it. And there's going to be times where I'm probably going to be getting on your nerves. You know, I might, uh, you know, I might be in a bad mood. You know, a month or something, and my preaching's grouchy, and maybe I get all hung up on some hobby horse, and I'm just I keep ranting about it. And you're just getting tired of it, and you know, you're aggravated with me. And but you know what? And, and those days are going to happen. I hope they don't. I'm going to try my best, you know, not to be making everybody mad. But you know, I'm a human being. And it may happen, but if you're here for God ultimately, then you're going to be able to get past those things. Okay, there, you may maybe when uh, you know maybe it's Daniel's birthday party. Maybe you know that there's going to be somebody there that you don't like, but you know hopefully you go anyway because you're there for him. It's his birthday, and you're not going to like the, you know, let the fact that you don't like somebody else. Maybe you hate Samuel, and you're thinking, man, you know Samuel's going to be there. I don't want to be there, but you're like, no, I want to be there for Daniel. Because I do care about him, and I hope you like me too. But honestly, you might not sometimes, and I hope you love God enough that you're at least for His sake. You say, you know what, Lord, this is this is where you've led me. This is where you brought me. And Lord, I'm going to show up. And Lord, please give me something. Lord, I want you to be there because let me tell you, you know, the pastor's kind of getting on my nerves. And you know what? Maybe the Lord will show up, and maybe the Lord will rebuke me and convict me and get me right. And I won't. Drive you crazy anymore. <laughs> you know, sometimes we forget to pray for those and pray that God will get through to them and that God will speak to them. And I tell you, most of the time, when I try doing the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, I end up messing everything up. But when you let God handle people, you're a whole lot better off. But if you are coming to church to meet with God, how should you behave? What does God want for you when you come to church? Well, the first one, this one's pretty easy. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It says, When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They all came together. They weren't all meeting separately at their houses. They were all in one place. First thing you need to do is you need to show up. 
Alright? That's huge. You need to show up. If somebody important to you invites you to their birthday party, you're going to do whatever you can to make it. And if you can't make it, you'll contact them and let them know why. Now listen, I know there's going to be days when you can't make it. I understand that. Okay? If you're sick, if you're at home, you know, you're puking your guts out and stuff, I don't expect you to come to church. And to tell you the truth, I probably don't want you to. That would kind of probably hurt the service if you're sitting there in the middle of service and you start barfing all over the place. Tommy did that one time. We were at a service and all of a sudden he's there and he's like, Dad, I'm sick. And I'm going to throw up. So I tell him to leave. He leaves. A little bit later I come back and he's sitting there and all of a sudden, all over the place. Right there. And it's like invitation. I'm like, Tommy, why did you come back in? <laughs> you could have stayed out. But and it was pretty embarrassing. Uh doesn't help the service when somebody's puking. I remember I worked at... Uh, I spent a summer at Camp Joy in Wisconsin and we had this one week where an epidemic went through the place and everybody was getting this virus. There was over 70 people that was thrown up that week. Almost every service, and it would just come quick, almost every service you'd be sitting there and all of a sudden you'd hear this and then you'd just hear the splash on the floor. It was terrible. I mean, every service. And when it would happen too, it was so hard because you know, everybody hear that and everybody that's sitting around, you know, they're all trying to get away from it and it just, it was so disruptive. I mean, it, it was terrible. All right. I mean, every service that was happening, I mean, people were getting laid up, the, the, the counselors and the staff were all getting sick. I mean, it was just, it was a complete nightmare. It was, it was one of the worst things I ever saw in my life. And, you know, there's going to be times where you can't make it. I understand that, but what, I believe what God wants. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves as the manner of some is. But so much, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I believe that when it comes to church, when it comes to our attendance to the house of God, that it just needs, it needs to be a priority. That it needs to be something that's important to us. That we don't let every little thing keep us out. Oh, my favorite TV shows on. You know, you know that's not an excuse these days, especially with like the DVRs and all those things you have. I mean, you know, if you like got a favorite TV show, I'm I'm all for that. I understand it, but boy, I hope you don't let that keep you out of the house of God. And it's it it ought to be. A priority. And if church is a priority, you'll at least experience disappointment when you miss. Uh, Psalms 122, verse 1. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Boy, you know, I I love church. I really do. I'm telling you, I I I enjoy it. I like seeing God work. I'm I'm here to tell you, you know, this morning, uh, you know, it, it was exciting seeing the big crowd here. I can't think of any place in the world that I'd have rather been than right here. I was I was excited. I was I was expecting a big day. I wasn't expecting anything that big, but I was expecting something, and I wanted to be here. I was glad, and if something would have made me miss it, I would have been very disappointed. You know why? Because I'm glad when I get to go to church. I enjoy doing that, and. It's sad to me how people say that they love God and how they say they want to see God do a work, but they don't. They don't care. Listen, you're going to have days where maybe work's going to call and say, "Hey, you know, we need you here this day." Okay, I understand that, but I hope it's like, yes, I don't have to go to church now. I've got an excuse. You know, I hope you don't hate church so much when you're at home throwing up. 
you're all excited because now you have an excuse not to go to church. <laughs> I mean, that would be pretty sad. When I was a kid, I hated school so much, I'd be glad sometimes when I got sick. And I always got sick on Christmas break. That's the thing that always made me mad. I hardly ever miss school for being sick. But hopefully, you don't enjoy missing church that it's disappointing. And if you experience disappointment, if it is disappointing for you when you miss church, it's not, you're not going to keep doing it. It's not going to be something that happens all the time because you truly want to be here. We, but if we miss something, it's because we wanted to be there. It's like, I miss, you know, you miss it. And if you're, and if, when you're not here, when those things keep you out, if you have that disappointment, if you're wishing you were there, that's when you know, okay, I think you got, you've got the right attitude. You're not forsaking. Okay? Things happen. You can't be here, but it's going to be a disappointment to you. You know, if you're hooked up in IVs in the hospital stuff, I don't expect you to come here. But I hope, I hope you're at least a little bit disappointed. It's like, man, I'm missing church today. I wonder what God's going to do today, and I'm going to miss it. But we want to miss because it's not a priority. We just don't care. Not a big deal. And that's how it is with a lot of people today. Not a big deal. But if you want to see a work of the Holy Spirit, you've got to be where He's making His move. And on Sunday, I believe the Holy Spirit, He's going to make His move in the house of God. In the church, where his people are meeting together, not at the family reunions, not at the ball game. I'm, just, I'm telling you right now, I want to see God do a work, and I believe God's a whole lot more likely to do a work here in the house of God than He is going to be at the ball game. I just, I have, I've been to a few ball games before, and I haven't seen the Holy Spirit break through and uh, start start a work there. I haven't seen that yet. Last ball game I went to, uh, it was pretty much the opposite of that. There was. Fans chanting obscenities and drunks everywhere, and the Holy Spirit was nowhere to be found in that in that place. But if you want to see God do a work, He does it in His house on Sunday. This is this is where God wants us to be. This is where God's plan wants where God wants to do a work. And if we can all be in that one place, I believe, like on the day of Pentecost, we're more likely to see God do something on work. But if you're going to make it, if you're going to uh, when it, when you show up. I mean, you're going to make it a priority. And also, and I, I, I was scared. I was hope. I was praying. I was like, please don't let anybody be late tonight because I didn't want them to think I was picking on them. But it's in my notes. But if something is important to you, you're going to be on time. You're going to be on time. Now listen, things happen. Yes, things are going to happen. People are going to be late sometimes. I, I understand that. But there's three reasons for being late, I believe. One, Something unforeseeable happens. You know, an act of God. You have a flat tire. I mean, you know, maybe uh, there's all kinds of things that can happen. There, you know, it's like if you live ten miles away and you wait till you know five fifty to leave. Good chance you're going to be late. Oh, I'd have been here on time, but there was that stoplight. Uh, you know what? There's always going to be stoplights, and there. I was going to be here, but I got a slow driver behind me. No, listen. If it's something that's important, you're going to be on time. I'm pretty sure if you had a court case, all right. If you had a court case, you're probably going to show up a little early because you don't want to be late for a court case. It'll get the judge mad, and he'll be all over your case. And that's important. You're going to be there on time. I mean, one thing that drives me crazy is uh, have you ever seen those that are always late for the weddings? You know. 
The wedding gets started. The bride's getting ready to come walking in. And then all of a sudden, you know, here comes this one family member that's always late for everything. And they come and they make this big entrance on the, on the bride and stand there with their dad. And here they come walking around the bride. Wait, i got to get my seat. I don't want to miss this part. And it's just awkward. And you're like, come on, it's a wedding. This is a pretty big deal. Couldn't you be here in time for that? But, but one of the other reasons people are late is they just didn't care. They didn't care. They don't care if they're late. I think some people, and this, this is my opinion on this. I don't have any Bible on this, but you know, there's some people that are just late all the time, and I think some people, it's, I think they do it for the attention. I don't know if they think it makes them look important. I don't know if they just want to make sure everybody notices that they show up. So you know, they want to come trampling in, you know, at the quietest part of the service, so everybody knows, hey, look, so and so showed up. I don't know. I think a lot of it's for attention. But the truth is, a lot of times people just don't care. Sometimes it's just we're irresponsible. I mean, that's all there is to it. We just, you know, it's not a priority. We're not responsible. You know, we don't we don't plan ahead. And you know, it's sad too. Some of the same people that are always late for the house of God. And notice, I'm not. Talk- I mean, I haven't known any of you all long enough to know that this is you. So don't get so don't get offended. But people I've known in the past, you know, they're always late for church, but they're never late for work. You know, you can show up at five in the morning for work on time, but not ten o'clock for church. What's going on? You know why? That job's important. That job's a priority. You know, and God wants that ought to be the way it is for the house of God. It ought to be important to us. There's going to be days you're going to miss work, but you know when you miss work, you know you're going to be disappointed. You're going to you're going to realize I'm missing out on I'm missing out on some pay. Uh, I need to call in. I need to let my boss know that there's people there depending on me. And you've got these things that you're going to do, but when it comes to the house of God, people just don't care. They don't uh, they don't let anybody know. They don't they don't give any reasons. They don't think it's important. And I'm here to tell you today that it, your attendance is important. It's not just important to me. It's important to God too. He wants to see you here. He wants to. He wants you to be here. He wants to speak to your heart, and we ought to be on time. But also another thing that we ought to do while we're here, when we show up, is I believe it's important to participate in the service. I want to read a couple of verses to you in Psalms, Psalms chapter one hundred and seven. If you want to follow along, you can. Psalms 107, verse 1 says, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You know what? There's nothing wrong with every now and then, you know, maybe we're giving testimonies or something. It's not, there's nothing wrong with you standing up and saying, you know what, this is... This is when the Lord saved me. This is something that God has done in my life. This is a blessing that God did for me. There's nothing wrong with getting involved in the service and letting people know that, hey, not only am I saved, but you know what? I'm blessed to God. Here's something that God did for me. Sometimes people need to hear from somebody besides the pastor. Sometimes they need to hear from other people. They need to see that, hey, you know what? God's not just you know blessing that guy that's standing up there in the pulpit. He's blessing the people in His church. He's doing a work with the people that are sitting there in the pews. And if God can use the pastor, if God can use the people in the church, maybe God can do some of these things in my life. And they need to see you active. They need to see you involved. And they need they need to hear from you. Get involved. 
Another way that we can participate in the service is through singing. You ought to sing during the song service. Psalms chapter 100 and verse 2, it says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. I do believe you believe that God wants to show up in the service. You believe He wants to be in your presence. The Bible says come before His presence with singing. We want God to be here. We believe He's here. You know what? Let's sing to Him. Let's sing praises. Let's sing songs like great and mighty is the Lord our God. I mean, sing praises to God. He wants to hear those things. God wants to hear us praise Him. It's a good thing to give praise to the Lord. Get involved. Let me tell you, I enjoyed today. You know, we had we had the full house and uh, during the song service, I enjoyed hearing the people sing. But you know, it would have been pretty bad. It would have been pretty bad if I got like, well, all right, let's all sing. Christ arose, and then my wife starts playing the piano, and I'm the only one singing. Everybody else just standing there. You know, what do you think that's going to do to move in the service? Maybe there's a lost person they're sitting in the pew and they're thinking, wow, I think the pastor is the only one that even believes in this resurrection. I don't know if anybody believes in this. He must just be some kind of nut. I know the pastor, he's up there and he's all excited about the resurrection of Christ, but nobody else even cares. It doesn't even matter. He's just some nut that's out there. But boy, when they see the whole place getting involved... And not only they see the song leader excited and singing praises to God, but when they see uh, you know the, uh, a church full of people that are singing praises to God and singing with a smile on their face and is doing their best to glorify God through singing, that kind of thing is going to have an effect. I'm here to tell you today, you know, it's when you, I mean, atmospheres like that, it's are contagious. Emotions are contagious. I've been to ball games before for teams that I didn't really care about. But boy, you're there and the crowd just starts getting into it. The crowd's getting excited about what's going on. And you're there and you know what? All of a sudden you find yourself getting excited too. Some kid, maybe he's out there, you don't even know him and boy, he makes that shot and you're screaming and you're going nuts. And it's like, why, why am I even excited about this? I don't even know that kid. I don't even care about these teams. But you know why you do that? You're doing that because everybody else is doing it and it just kind of it kind of spreads to you. And if we would get excited about God, if God's people would get excited about God, then others are going to get excited about God too. And I'm here today to tell you that the lost aren't going to be the ones that are going to start the excitement. It's got to be God's people. It's got to be us. We've got to be the ones that get excited and those kind of things are they're going to spread. And we've we've got to do that. We can do that through singing. We can do that through responding to the message. You know, there's nothing wrong with you know giving an amen during something, or you know at least nodding your head in agreement and acting like. Not I'm not asking you to put on a show, but you know, there's nothing wrong with looking like you're enjoying what's going on and that you agree. You know, if if everybody, if I'm preaching, and I'm saying the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ, and the whole place is looking at me like I'm nuts. Well, what do you think that lost person that's sitting there is going to think? And they're like, yeah, look at these people. They, they think this guy's nuts. Man, he, he is nuts. I mean, have you ever been somewhere and maybe somebody's giving a speech and it's just kind of awkward and people don't really seem to care? Uh, we went over to Dixon when Rick Santorum was there. 
And it was it was kind of interesting. I think most of the people were just there because you know the news vans were there, and there was a presidential candidate. And I don't, most people didn't seem real excited. And I remember one of the guys, he's up there giving a speech and he's saying all these things. And you know, and it's these lines that you know people are supposed to start cheering and yelling and stuff. And it was, yeah, it was just, it was very low key. People weren't getting excited. They're trying to get everybody excited, but most people just didn't, they, they didn't care that much. It wasn't, I think, what they were hoping was going to happen. I remember, you know, when Rick Santormi came pulling up there and, and he goes and he kind of gets out of the vehicle and, you know, and he kind of, Comes out fast, and I, you know, I think everybody was supposed to, yeah, you know, start cheering and stuff, and a few people did, but it was just kind of uh, like people didn't even notice or something, and he just kind of had this look in his face, like, okay, you know, that, that, didn't, that didn't go over real well, and I'm thinking, I don't know how much this stuff really helped his campaign, because people are, you know, people that are maybe on the fence and aren't sure, they're probably wondering, uh, yeah, you know, people aren't really that excited about this guy, and, uh, you know, he didn't win. <laughs> he didn't win the primary here in Illinois. But I just, you know, sometimes that very thing happens in church. People just aren't responding. In fact, they're responding in a way that's making you know the preacher look bad, and it's making uh, the message seem like it's something that's a joke. And people leave wondering, boy, what did I just get myself into? And we don't, we don't want to do that. Get involved. Respond to the message. And I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with you know during an invitation, getting out of your pew and going to the altar. If the Lord spoke to her, I'm not talking about doing it for a show. I'm just talking about you. Know, listen, if God speaks to your heart, be obedient. Do what He wants you to do. If He wants you to pray there in your pew, do that. If He wants you to go to the altar, pray at the altar. Just be obedient. Get involved in the service. Those kind of things are huge. But another thing too. If you're here for the right reason, you'll leave when the service is done. Now, I kind of felt bad when we were at that rally. We we had somewhere that we needed to go. I mean, we were we didn't even really have time to go there, but we thought, hey, you know, let let's do it. Let's try to go over to it. And I remember I I, I told my wife, I was like, I was like, man, we got to go. And I didn't want to look like we we're just walking out on a speech. And so, you know, we kind of left a little bit at a time, and we were you know kind of slowly you know moving back and. You know, we we didn't want it to look obvious, but we need, we needed to get out of there. And I would I would never do that in a church service. Okay, during some political thing, uh, you know, I might do that. You know, especially if it was somebody I didn't like, then I wouldn't have any problem turning around and walking out on him. But you know, we didn't we you know we weren't there to you know make him look bad. But we we needed to go. And I and I remember we kind of felt bad, but we would at least try to be very discreet about it, so you know, so as not to insult him. But when you're in the house of God for the right reason, you'll leave when the service is done. And I'm not talking about your body leaving the building. I'm not talking about you know walking out before the service is over. I've been in the services before where the preacher's out there and he says something that maybe somebody doesn't like, and they'll get up and they all go walking out of the service. I've seen that before. We will eventually probably have that here. You have people that they come in. And they, they're already expecting something. They got a preconceived idea. Maybe they know what we as Baptists stand for and they don't like it. And they show up hoping I'll preach on it so they can walk out and make that statement. Alright, we'll probably have some of that. If that happens, 
Don't worry about it. Okay, they won't come back. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. It's okay. That that kind of thing is going to happen. But I'm here to tell you, if you're, I'm not talking about walking out of the service, but I'm talking about your focus and attention will be in the service until it's over. You're not going to do something that's going to quench the spirit of God. First Thessalonians five nineteen. Quench not the spirit. And quenching the Spirit is doing anything that will hinder the work of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I might, I might be preaching, and I'm, I'm just, you know, this might be a stretch, but boy, I'm just, I'm just letting it rip, man. I'm on fire, you know, and the Holy Spirit's convicting and speaking to hearts. And boy, there's a lost person there. They're there on the edge of their seat, and they're listening, and they're hearing this for the first time. And, and then, but you, you've been listening to me preach for a long time, and you've got to the point where you can kind of tell when I'm winding it down. And I, and, you know, you can tell that, oh, he's just about done. But that other person is still on the, re- the edge of their seats, and all of a sudden, you, oh, close your Bibles, start, you know, putting your coat on and doing all these different things. I hate, well, I hate when people do that. I've, I've seen that happen. It's like, you know, no, don't put yourself up until he says amen and the service is over. Just wait. It's not going to get you out of here any faster. I mean, don't don't get in a hurry to leave. Be here mentally. Be focusing on the service until the last possible moment because all of a sudden, that kind of thing gets attention. He's like... Oh, he must almost be done. Oh, okay. All right, you know, maybe, you know, they're th- you know, I mean, the Holy Spirit's working on them, but it's like when everybody starts doing that because you can tell, it's like to them, you're you're telling everybody, yeah, this is just a routine. We have this all the time. In fact, we can even tell that he's just about done. And, and then it's it's like you've quenched the spirits. What's happened? And you know I've done that before. I got to be careful not to do that. Sometimes you know we've got you know we're in a hurry and boy we're we're just hoping the pastor will get done and come on oh, it's it's getting close it's getting close don't do that all right please don't do that it it, it will it will ruin the service and there there may be days where I go long winded I try not to be long winded I try not to you know say more than I need to. But it might happen. The Holy Spirit might be working. Don't do anything to quench the Spirit. Don't put your Bible away. Don't put your coat on. Don't do those things. Your presence here is very important. Your activity, it's, it's very important. You have, you have no idea what it means. Not every service, not every message is going to be exactly what you need. You're going to come here some days and there's, you're going to be needing something spiritually. And there's some days you're going to get it. God's going to give me a message and it was the message that you needed. But it's not going to be that way every week. There's going to be some days where maybe you've got some kind of spiritual need and I'm going to preach on something completely different. But you know what? It may, there may be somebody else though who needs that. And it's important that we're, that we're here and it's important that we do our part because you know, we're not just here for us. We're here to be a blessing to other people. There's... Uh, you know, one of the one of the things I'm so thankful for since we've started this church that I thank God for is that God has given us a good group of people that have been faithful from the start. That sometimes can take years. And you know, there's there's people out there, maybe they're not real spiritual yet. And if, if they come and it's just me and my family, they're gonna be thinking, okay, nobody must eat. Want to hear what this guy has to say, and they might not come back. But just because there was other people here too, they're like, okay, maybe this is legit. Maybe there is something to this. 
and they'll come and then hopefully eventually they'll learn that it's not about the numbers. It's not about how many people are here. It's about the message that's being preached. But it takes a while sometimes for people to learn that. And you have no idea how important your presence is. I'm here today to tell you that the pastor is not more important than the person in the pew because if there is nobody in the pew, then what do they need me for? I'm going to be pretty much I'm going to be pretty much worthless. I mean, it, you have no idea how important you are. You have no idea what I mean. Not just what you mean to me, but what it means to God. He wants you here in His house. And the main thing that I want you that I wanted to focus on this week is just your presence in being here and how much that means. And I I, th- I I thank you for your presence. I know that it's something that God wants to see and it's something that we need to be faithful in doing. And there, listen, there's going to come a day. Alright, there's going to come a day, I believe, where it's going to be full in here. Not just on Sunday mornings, but on Sunday nights too. Well, on Wednesday, there's going to come a day where we're going to be scratching our heads and saying, wait a minute, we need more room. How are we going to fit more people in here? We need more classrooms. We need... Those days are going to come... But those days aren't going to come until we've got some people that are in one accord in one place. It starts with a few. There on that day of Pentecost, there was about, I believe, 120 of them actually. But you know how many got saved that first day? 3,000. And the next day, 5,000. And the day after that, a multitude that they couldn't even number. And a great work started that day that is still going on today. And I'm praying that God is going to do a work in this area. I'm praying that God is going to use this church. But you know, we need those two or three that are gathered in His name that so God can be in the midst and God can start something. Our attendance is very, very important. And I know I'm preaching to the choir when it comes to that. But we don't, we don't want to forget that. We don't, it's very important that we know why. We're doing it. And that we're doing it for the right reasons. So with that, let's stand together tonight with our heads bowed and eyes closed.